This podcast brought to you by ACES, the American Society of Information Science and Technology, the Society for Information Professionals, by the IA Summit, the premier gathering place for information architects and other user experience professionals, by Boxes and Arrows. Visit boxesnarrows.com slash about slash participate to be a part of your peer-written journal. And special thanks to Axure and Moray for sponsoring Boxes and Arrows, as well as the many other sponsors of the IA Summit. In the context of design, themes can be used as a conceptual framework that will unify the form, shape, and quality of interactions. They expand our approach to user-centered design by reminding us to take a step back and consider the aesthetic and semantic experience of a product. In this presentation, user experience designer and screenwriter Cindy Chastain looks at how others have used themes and elaborates on experience themes while examining three real-life instances. She also discusses how themes can be used in the design process, engaging your audience by coming up with a solution to a design problem presented by a group project. I hope everyone enjoys the podcast. Cheers. Um, welcome, everybody. How great it is to see, uh, first of all, so many friends that I've gotten to know in the last couple of years as a result of coming to these conferences. This is only my third IA Summit, and uh, I would never have guessed last year that I'd actually be talking here. Um, strange. Uh, so um, I'm really honored to actually be able to, for the first time, put out some ideas that I've been working on over the course of many, many years, um, specifically in our practice at work. Um, I'm the user experience designer for, or the user experience director, I should say, for a small interactive agency in New York. We're about 35 people, and we primarily design uh, websites for entertainment and media clients, just to give you a little perspective. Um, I also am the uh, accidental uncoordinator of the UX Book Club in New York City, and uh, um, I have an obsession with story. Uh, my background, as it turns out, is in filmmaking and uh, storytelling. I got a master's in screenwriting, and while I was getting my master's, I started doing information design, which led me to information architecture at the same time that I was writing screenplays, and suddenly um, I saw what I was doing on both sides converge in what's happened with technology and uh, digital products these days. And so I, I, I started to think a lot more about how we can use storytelling for design. And I think there's been a big conversation about this for, for years, in fact. Um, and one thing that I wanted to bring to you here is just a very, very small part of that conversation. Um, in fact, it's just like, you know, one little, you know, town in a wild, wild west, as far as I can um, tell, in terms of what we can learn and what we can do to better enhance our designs and our processes and the things that we do. So um, with that, let me pull up my presentation. Okay, so um, let me give you a little bit of uh, context to start. Um, I was at uh, the uh, Interaction Design Conference. I don't know, have you, were any of you there in Vancouver? Great. Um, while there, we, uh, I thought, let's just really see what the temperature is, if, if we can, about this idea of storytelling. And uh, I 
called for a lunchtime conversation about storytelling while there, and about 18 people showed up. And um, I wanted to get a sense of you know, what people were really talking about, what subjects were important. And my first inclination about all of this was that we don't really have a framework for talking about storytelling. And we've for a long time been talking about how stories can work well as a communication tool. We can use them to sell things, we can market ideas, we can use them to understand what our users might do. And, um, but there are all these other areas, and in that conversation I learned you know, two things. First of all, there was a lot of incredibly brilliant people who had great ideas and things to say about storytelling, but the conversation just seemed to lack that sort of framework. And one of the thing, areas that I was interested in is, is, is what we can learn from just the pure experience of story, how we can learn from storytellers, such as writers and filmmakers in the work that we do, not only just creating stories to, to you know, convey an idea. So this talks about one small piece, which is something called a theme, which I feel like is like the first bit of like a series of topics related to how we can apply storytelling <coughs> elements and techniques to the work that we do. So for the presentation, um, we're gonna talk about, first of all, what is this really about anyway? Um, characterization of a theme, a story of how this bloody idea came about anyway, and how experience themes are applied to design and how to find a theme, and then I have some final thoughts. Okay. So, in Vancouver, right before I had the conversation, I quickly did this diagram, which none of you can really see, but just to try and frame up what I meant by storytelling in UX. And uh, I see Joe. Joe was there that day. So, uh, uh, I've been thinking about that and I spoke to some people afterwards about that conversation and kind of revised the diagram to something like this. Um, we have stories and usually stories can have many purposes and one of those, as I'd mentioned, is a communication tool. Um, that story then can feed into what we would call a design frame. And we also have this idea, or at least I had this idea, that there are stories that can be used as a vehicle for engagement and response. It's like the other side of the story, right? Because we create the stories, but what's happening when a user experiences the story? And for each one of these types of areas of focus, you might say, there are some methods that we can apply. Um, for example, as a communication tool, we already use comics, storyboards, scenarios, concept narratives, or just called the narrative describing what a product will do, what value it brings for a user. Um, as a design frame, we use the same thing, comics, storyboards, scenarios. This is not exhaustive, these are just some examples. Um, and then I, you know, through this idea of theme that we're gonna talk about. Um, vehicle for engagement or response, what does that mean exactly? Well, I wanna try and get to that point where we can talk about it. And it is a wide open area, and I think it might possibly, with further investigation, include things such as theme, again, scenes, structure, pacing, flow. How do these things work with what the experiences that we're building? And then finally, each one of these stories has a specific value. Um, if a communication tool is worth something for team building, persuasion, marketing, selling, validating, uh, design frames, are about shared vision, understanding, unifying, sharing, validating again. And when we're thinking about the vehicle for engagement or response, we have things like emotion, meaning, identification, immersion, coherence, and just fun. So these two areas over here, not the communication tool so much, are really what I'm mostly interested in, in, in my work and in exploring and looking into further. 
And so we got to this idea of a theme. If you had read my actually overly long presentation online, I don't know if anyone did, um, you might have deduced that you not only actually didn't need to show up for this session, um, because I clearly said way too much, being the uh, novice that I am. I mean, first of all, I have to just let this out of the bag. This is my first time ever speaking at a conference. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for being kind or, brutal is good, I love it, you know, just, just rip into this later if you need to. But in any case, um, I somehow convinced myself and my company that there was something, uh, there was a missing component to our design process. And, oh, by the way, thank you all for showing up anyway after reading that long thing. <clears throat> but uh, based on my own context and my own experience, I come to the conclusion that as designers and developers, we often fail to nail down a central vision about what it is we're designing, making, building, and creating. Obligatory, right? <laughs> um, how many of you have seen a presentation that has mentioned or not mentioned Apple today? Okay, not mentioned. All right, so there you go. Anyway, I just bring this up partly because I feel like it's funny to do that now because it's so obvious. But um, a lot of people talk about the iPhone and the vision and the central idea, the strategy behind that. I don't even need to go into it. Um, some of you may find that in your work you're not necessarily failing in this respect. You do do things like this, but you might have different ways of framing it. In fact, what, a lot of what I might be saying here today might be things that you've, you're already familiar with, but I might just be finding a new way to package it. I have no idea. Um, for example, in Vancouver, Luke W., I cannot pronounce his last name, um, talked about this notion of parti in the design sandwich. Has anyone heard of this at all? A little bit? Um, again, without going into details, it seems to reflect on the same idea. It's drawn from architecture about finding a central vision or focus. Um, there's, uh, uh, has anyone read, read this book, Subject to Change? It was the last book that we read for the UX Book Club in New York, and uh, it talks a lot about experience strategy, Jesse James Garrett, Hi, I thought I saw you here. Oh, goodness. <laughs> you didn't, I know you didn't write the book, but I, read, I heard your, listened to your podcast, which is the book, right? Yeah, okay. So, and, and uh, uh, they talked a lot about this notion of experience strategy, and, and, you, and you said it in your podcast, Jesse James, how, how that provided a guiding light for what we were designing and how important that was. And all of these things, I think, are, are related. They're reaching for the same concepts, the same destination. And in many ways, I believe that they're all about this idea of holistic design. But after thinking a great deal about experience strategy, because I love what Adaptive Path had said about that, um, I think that it's related but different than an experience theme. The notion of the design sandwich is beautiful. Um, I need to learn more about it, but right at this point, the, the idea seems too abstract to apply easily. And I'm still convinced that there's a different aim and effect um, in the application of an experience theme. In fact, I would argue that an experience theme is related to something much deeper than all of the above. It's, it's really related to our 35,000 year history and culture of storytelling. Um, Oops. There we go. Wrong button. If you think about it, storytelling is so persuasive and essential to our experience as humans that we all have internalized sense of what a good story feels like. 
right? We know that. Even if we can't tell a good story, we know what it feels like. We know about the rhythm, the structure, the pacing, whether there's an introduction that under, we understand the, the conflict, the needs, etc. Um, and that's what I find incredibly interesting, that there's something we instinctively respond to when something echoes the shape and structure of a really good story. And it could be even found in the rhythm and pacing of, for example, a friend's dinner party. There's a story in that. It's what we encounter. If you're introduced in a certain way, you understand the situation that's going on, there's a flow to it, we pick up this notion of story from the cues that we gather around us. But you're saying, well, we're here to talk about the experience of technology products and the kinds with interfaces and systems and services. Well, yes, we are, but I'm hoping to make one small connection between what we do and what we can learn from storytelling. So that's what this presentation is about. It's an attempt to broaden the conversation because I only have my perspective and my context and someone may have like a completely different take on this that is you know, much more meaningful and deserving of attention, but at least it's some way to start that conversation. And I, and I also want to test this idea amongst peers and I'm so happy to see that some of you are there and, and just to throw it out there because it still is an idea that's in its evolution. It's not, I'm not handing you something that's fully baked by any means. And I also am hoping that as a result you'll get at least a fresh idea of how we might approach our work. So it extends from you know, whether you're in strategy, whether you're a company owner, whether you're a designer, whether you're a developer, I think this should impact your thinking if not necessarily what you do from day to day hopefully. So this is also a story about finding your own way in the method in the madness. So it may first serve as well to talk about what we're not talking about. I mean, after all, theme is another way, another one of these words like design, like innovation, <laughs> um, used in so many ways that, you know, it's just lost all meaning completely. So for the record, just to put it up there, we will not be talking about a theme is theme that is a, a design for a PowerPoint template. <laughs> a message conveyed by a work of art, the focus of brand image or promise, the subject of an academic paper, or the main administrative divisions of the Middle Byzantine Empire. And finally, that 2000 album by the Moravian ethno metal band, Silent Stream of Godless Elegy. That's what we'd not be talking about. All right. Traditionally, in film and literature, which is really the focus here, a theme is the subject matter, topic, or idea upon a work, which a work of art or literature is based. And in literature, writers weave stories around themes. Are, are any of you here writers? Have you written short stories? I don't know if you agree with this. Some people like despise the idea of a theme, but it is a strong way of organizing what it is we're saying. And in turn, readers have an understanding or response to story as a result of this theme that is much more memorable than details of plot. Um, it, this, because I've been doing this book club lately and uh, I've been involved in this subject, I, I think I read one novel last year and I used to read novels like at least one a month. And uh, so last month I finally read one. It was very cheery. <laughs> um, I didn't see the movie. I had no intention to see, but I always wanted to pick this up. And uh, you know, what I think about now is not 
there are scenes in there. There's, there are characters that I found very compelling, but it's this feeling of being trapped, this complete, you know, um, sacrifice of self, which could be themes, or at least my interpretation of the theme, but that's what resonated with me, and that's what I sort of carried on, and I feel like that's just an example of what themes can do. Um, I don't know if any of you know Robert McKee. He's the famous um, itinerant screenplay workshop guru. Um, but uh, he says that a true theme is not a word, but a sentence, one clear, coherent um, sentence that expresses a story's irreducible meaning. And he goes on to say that a theme shapes the writer's strategic choices. It's yet another creative discipline to guide our aesthetic choices toward what is expressive of your theme. I put that in brackets because he actually calls it a controlling idea because he doesn't like the word theme because it's so vague. Um, but it may be kept versus what is irrelevant to it. It must be cut. That's the important thing. It may be kept versus what is irrelevant to it and must be cut. So from story, a storytelling point of view, themes help us make choices. By making choices related to theme, we pave the way toward a unity, cohesiveness of form, but most important, um, when a theme is used, it gives us added dimension to the experience of story, as I said. A reader or audience member um, has, gets pleasure in perceiving a unified structure of form which gives rise to meaning and emotions. So themes have two sides. In the example of writing or novels, you have the writer and then you have the reader and the storyteller is making decisions during the process of creating the story and the themes are perceived and are interpreted by the reader in a way that deepens hopefully their emotional cognitive response to the story. So what can themes do for user experience design? Well, my theory is that, and again I say theory because I'm, you know, there's a long way to go I think in this, is that themes can, in the context of the design, themes are not all that different. For the design process, Themes can put experience at the forefront of product concepts. They can unify teams, lead to strategy, and I'll talk about that later, Jesse. <laughs> um, inspire design solutions and help teams make choices. Um, and they can ultimately get us closer to truly designing a product that reflects the needs and desires of our users. Um, but mentioned earlier, there are two sides. So from that experiential side, when a theme is manifest in a product, and this is the part that needs more research and real, and real investigation, is that it can create pleasure, emotion, and meaning. That to me is the first thing that differenti differentiates a theme from a strategy. Um, we have a long way before we can speak persuasively about how these things can be manifest, but I think it's safe to assume that there's a very strong correlation just about what, based on what we know in storytelling. So what's not to like, right? Um, but if I were you, and it's, I could sort of see faces, um, trying to judge your response to all of this, I would be a little bit more skeptical until I had some more information so to better understand how I even arrived at these concepts, I thought I would take you um, through a little story of how this idea came about. So first of all, um, 
our company had agreed to take on a project um, to see if there was a, a potential partnership with a company who was developing a proprietary video player. It was a small project. We usually do stuff for the BBC. We've done stuff for our independent film channel. And this was literally like a $30,000 project for um, someone who wanted to build you know, a website. And the people who had, were doing the proprietary video player couldn't build the website. So we said, all right, let's try it out. We might have bigger opportunities later. And I'll, you'll, you'll love this because the client was actually an 80-year-old woman she was, and she knew absolutely nothing about the internet. Um, but she was Agnes Nixon. And I don't know if you've ever, any of you have watched soap operas before, but uh, um, she's the creator and longtime writer of All My Children. Um, in the early years of the program, she'd amassed all these rights to these episodes and now wanted to turn it into a massive All My Children video portal and, and could do that. So. We had to figure out how to, how, to do, how to do that for her. Now the thing is, because of their lack of knowledge, and she was doing this with her son, they came to us with only one, one requirement. And um, that was, the Nixon family would like to leverage their tremendous library of content in a new, engaging, interactive, video-centric web property. All right. <laughs> I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, we, we, I don't know about you, but at our agency, we're working with these clients who are saying, this is what we want to do, this is our vision, these are your requirements, now do something with it, build it. And it's like, wow, uh, we have an op opportunity to not only decide what this should do, but what it should be, which is really cool. So, um, where does one start? Well, we started where one would expect, the stuff that we do all the time anyway. We immersed ourselves in the domain, which was incredibly fun, believe it or not. <laughs> Read about soap operas. I'm telling you, you don't think this is interesting, but these people are crazy. <laughs> um, but we watched episodes, spoke to fans until we got to the point where we felt like we sort of understood what these, you know, it really is, they're fans. You either watch it obsessively or not. There's no in between for soap operas, really. And, um, so when it came time to find functional requirements, it simply wasn't enough, I felt, to say, okay, we need, um, based on our business objectives and user needs, we should create a site that will include a flexible portal that will allow for X, Y, and Z, a interactive timeline, and a blog written by Ms. Nixon. Because that's, sometimes that's what happens, right? And in this case, I kept thinking, that's not a, a concept, that's not even an experience really, if you think about it. It's nothing more than a library of content. So what do we do? Um, it might be usable, it might be functional, but what is this site about? Why on earth is anyone going to come here, even if you are obsessed with all my children? There's a ton of sites out there that are also, well, not showing videos like this, but there's a lot of, lot of sites out there. And so that's when I started to think more deeply about this concept of storytelling and how it might be relevant to the user experience or user experience designers. So you might be thinking, well, how can you apply this to e-commerce sites, business sites? Can you apply it to social media sites? Well, I mean, does Flickr have a story? I mean, I doubt if the creator sat down and thought of a story, but if you kind of looked, worked backwards and analyzed it, you could probably say there was a story, but that's because they had a very clear vision about what they're doing. 
And um, it might be something, and, and they might have even had a theme. Let's say their theme was define yourself with photos. You could say that, that might work. And that theme suggested a story or a story premise, which was a playful way, a fun <clears throat> way to use, the, the, I can't even read my own thing, but um, a playful, fun to use site helps people to easily manage their vast store of digital photos and share them with one another. So it's, it's not impossible, I guess, is what I'm just trying to, to say right here. It's something you get instinctively when you get to this site. And I think that's one of the aims of something like this. So as a storyteller, I couldn't get away from my natural impulse to ask what the Na Agnes Nixon site was all about. And by that, I meant the core purpose of the site. You know, what, why would, are you going here to like learn about Agnes Nixon's life? Are you going here to relive your old days as a fan when you were 20 and now you're 40 and now you're sad you can't watch them? I mean, what, what is it? And um, only after we could figure out what this was could we then begin to understand what the scenes were, what the nature of the interaction. We needed to understand what the service would mean, what would be most desirable to users. We need to be able to decide then, and only then, what it could do. So in trying to understand what the site was about, that naturally led me back to storytelling, I keep saying. But before we could apply storytelling techniques to user experience, I felt it was important to understand what we meant by user experience in general, right? Because this is like a big word. I actually call myself a user experience designer, but that's because of my context. Some people balk at that. Oh. You know, I started out as an information architect, but I'm really going from designing end-to-end -end experiences, from strategy to content analysis, content uh, strategy, all the way down you know, through the end. And for me, because we're thinking of the end-to-end -end user experience, you know, I'm a user experience designer. Um, does anyone else go by that label, by the way? Okay, so there won't be too many. Um, rejectors in, in this presentation. But in any case, um, I thought it was interesting to think about. So I'm just gonna run through some things. <laughs> oh, if only I'd known. Anyway, this, <laughs> should I re rethink what I was going to say? No, this is one. <laughs> no, no, no. This has been around a long time and I looked to this when I first started working in this, in this industry as a, my guiding light, actually, to really understand what this is all about. And I think this is like this beautiful and incredibly elegant and brilliant way of rendering what it is that we do. And I don't know what you would say, Jesse, but I feel like as technology has changed, the model has changed a little bit. We need to expand the way we think of those considerations of user experience. And as he said, these are considerations. This is not a design process. These are not, this is not to indicate roles. Um, in Wednesday's Beyond Findability workshop, is Joe here? Joe Lamontia was talking about how our scope as designers will have to change along with the convergence of media and platforms. I mean, so much is happening out there. Um, as experiences now span multiple media, channels, formats, we need to look to narrative, interaction, emotional elements to sustain transitions across channels and formats. That's a quote from Joe. And I think that, I would also say that we need narrative and emotional elements to sustain interactions and engagement, and especially in this world of complex technology where websites, software, and interactive multimedia have become a part of the same beast, if you will. 
So imagine Mothra. <laughs> Mothra is, I am the beast that is part website, part software, part product, part service, part interactive multimedia experience. What will you do with me? Gasp. <laughs> All right, sorry. So shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't the experience of the experience design, so to speak, be a consideration? We're sort of always talking about the tangible. Is Russ here? Oh, man. Anyway, um, and Carolyn Chandler have never ha not been uh, that had the pleasure of meeting, but uh, Russ, a friend of mine, and Carolyn wrote this book, uh, Project ID UX Design. And I just pulled a simple quote from this book, which seems to capture something, and that is to create a truly me me memorable and satisfying experience. A UX designer needs to understand how to create a logical and viable structure, we know that, for the experience and needs to understand the elements that are important to creating an emotional connection with the product users. And I like that because it sounds closer to where we are today in a very simple way. In fact, I would say that Russ is describing the yin and yang of our practice. And, and this is just an idea that I'm throwing out, that we have like the, the tangible side and the intangible side. And the intangible side is now comprised of such things as emotion, pleasure, and meaning. And in storytelling, the intangible and tangible are two sides of the same coin. There's the tangible structure of story illustrated at its most basic through characters, setting, scenes. And um, on the other, there's the intangible emotion meaning derived from the story. In user experience, the tangibles are expressed, and just to name a few, through things such as content, pages, flows, visual design, just, I mean, just to name a few. Um, so maybe this is another way of looking, what we must consider, tangible, intangible, when creating user experience, but it's still incomplete, clearly. Um, it lacks a certain level of detail to make it more meaningful or useful. So of course, you know, this is not new stuff. Um, we've all heard much about the full range of of considerations that go into creating user experiences now extend into this murky, mysterious area of emotion, right? Um, but meaning, that's a tricky one. I actually picked up the book Making Meeting. Has anyone seen that? That came out, just to look at it, because someone was talking about it. It's a different angle. Um, but when I mention meaning here, I don't really mention it, mean it in the same way that we experience stories but it's sort of, it's what we get when we experience a product and I would say that it comes down to these four things primarily, what this is about, what this will do for me, how it works, where this fits into my life. Okay, so maybe that's uh, you know, not all there is to it but I think that we can convey these things through our products and it should be across that whole idea of our holistic experience. So maybe, Jesse, what if we revised your diagram and added that? Whoa. <laughs> I don't know. It actually looks pretty ugly, so I wouldn't recommend it. But, um, <laughs> but I think it, you know, it doesn't feel right, but you see what I'm pushing for a little bit? So I started to look a little bit further, and I thought, all right, Someone's talking about emotional design. Has anyone looked at this book before or read it? Which is pretty, pretty interesting because Don Norman, um, 
he's coming from a cognitive scientist point of view, and he's saying that our human brains have three interrelated ways of processing, or experiencing, really. We have the reflective, the behavioral, and the visceral. And um, he goes on to say that he, we describe the complex relationship between three, these three levels of processing about how they constantly influence one another and almost always happen together, meaning the best experiences are really made up of all three levels. And he even goes on to prescribe approaches um, to design for each of these levels. So just very quickly, the visceral level is like the pre-consciousness. It's where appearance matters first and first impressions are formed. Um, the behavioral level is about use, about experience with the product. So this would be like you know function, performance, usability. And reflective level is the level at which the full impact of thought and emotions are experienced. And that's really interesting because those things, two things are really wrapped up to, with one another. So how can we translate this, perhaps, into something that doesn't require reading a full book to understand, really? Because this is a scientist's perspective. Something that gives us a new way of understanding the elements of user experience that, we must, that must be considered when designing. So for the purposes of this presentation, unless you feel like carrying it out there, I sort of put together this little equation. Um, you have on one side function, performance, and ease of use, just a simple breakdown, and you add that to beauty, emotion, and meaning. And I added beauty because I still feel be like beauty is subjective, it kind of goes with the other two. You put these two th groups together, and you have optimal user experience. And again, you have possibly new elements of user experience? Is this an easier way to describe to people, this is what we do, this is what we, the range of things that we talk about and must be considered? And again, I still think there comes down to this tangible and intangible way of looking at it. So this is the region over here that we were trying to understand how to design for, for this Agnes Nixon site. Um, so we didn't want users to encounter just a library of videos, but we wanted to create an experience that delighted and thrilled and tapped into the common pleasures that were shared by serious soap fans. And they're serious, as I mentioned. So how do we design for that? Well, that was our big question. Um, a lot has been said recently about how product designers can design for emotion, and as mentioned, um, Don Norman writes about that at length. But unfortunately, I hadn't read Don Norman's book at that point, so I, all I had to draw from was my experience, and that, again, was storytelling. And so it made sense because writers and filmmakers design, if you will, for emotion and meaning all the time. It's not like they create things and then it happens. They think about it. They really do. And they have techniques, otherwise known as craft, to be able to do that. So what can we learn for their techniques? Well, think about this for a second. In film, if you were to break down the tangible elements of a film, you might say there's words, lines, actions, locations, sets, images, cinematography, lighting, music, sound, editing. Okay, there could be more. All of these things are coordinated in service of a story. It's not like the cinematographer goes off and shoots it, and then the music guy goes in another room, and they come back and they put it all together, right? As an example, in a website, you have tangible elements as well. And again, this is not an exhaustive list, it's just some examples. We have visual design, we have copy, text, information, content, navigation, layout, content presentation, interaction, design processes, it goes on. 
I've been put in like error messages and help because of things that users really tangibly encounter. And what do we have? Not coordinated most of the time. Unless the, for some of you it might. And then if you add desktop widgets and mobile apps to this all, then you've got a huge mess on your hands. So I'm thinking, you know, isn't there something we can learn from this? Now let me just show you another example. This is, this is I think, why this happens. Um, I mean, this is largely a product of business, but in visual design, we have creatives. And again, it's, this is just an example, but copy and text. Maybe it's the marketing people who are doing it. Um, maybe it's the business people who are creating content or whoever it is in that company. And we have information architects, interaction designers working on that blue area there, layout content processes. Um, maybe you have an outside resource doing your animations or, or your music, if you even have that in your sites. Maybe you actually have engineers writing the help text messages. How many of you have that? <laughs> yeah. And then you have the product VP's assistant doing all the help files. Okay, so this is an example. They're coming from all over the place, but they're not coordinated. Well, what can help us coordinate this is what? Story. Story. <laughs> no, no, that was where I was going. <laughs> Story, yes. So um, this is my thinking. And then we'll go on and test, test my logic here. But if emotion and meaning can emerge from harmonizing the elements that make up a story, then to design for optimal experiences, we need a story by which to harmonize the elements of the product, service, or system. And, in, and from the point of view of design, the story can be used as a frame that defines the product, service, or system. Any takers? Agree? <laughs> All right, you don't have to. You, if you just pretend that you buy into this point, um, <laughs> if you pretend that you just like slightly think that, okay, maybe a story can be a, a frame to the design, um, how can we begin to find that story? Theme. That's where you find it. And um, as a writer, personally, I've actually written about 10, 10 screenplays myself, none of which have seen the light of day yet. <laughs> um, but I've spent a lot of time thinking about this stuff. And uh, as a writer, the one way I know how to find out what a story is about is to sift through all that stuff that you gather, that you've written, you researched. Because you don't know what it is. No writer worth their salt starts out and says, I'm going to write a story about freedom versus security. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. You kind of put things together and you, f you extract it, you find it. And um, when I'm in the early stages of, of planning a script, sometimes I have nothing more than a germ of an idea. Um, I might have some scenes actions, but it's not a complete story. So we look for theme. And I'm going to, John Gardner talks about, I just want to extract this small piece of quote um, here, but a theme is how a writer can examine every element in the story for its possible implications with regard to that theme. So for Agnes Nixon, we had no more than a germ of an idea. We didn't even have a premise. But to my mind, we cannot design the site until we had a story. And if the story defines the product, a theme, I reasoned, would not only help us to make decisions as to what and how what we were designing, but it might also translate to a more valuable and meaningful experience that a user could connect to. And so an experience theme could work in two ways. It could help us define product and or strategy 
and it could also help us focus the design process. And it works in two very different ways. So that's what we did. We found a theme. And so we synthesized what we knew about these users and what we learned about the domain, and um, we came up with a series of themes. I'm going to get to specifically how one might do this. Um, but for example, our, our impulse was to um, find a thing that captured something that would be useful and desirable to users. So this is an important difference because writers, they have an, a, another motivation for their theme. But in my development of this, an experience theme is really about f understanding what you want to deliver in terms of an experience. So we started brainstorming and we went through a mostly long and utterly horrific list, but we finally came down to three that we could present to the client and see if we were getting somewhere close to what they wanted to do. And they were like um, this, they were the legacy of Agnes Nixon, reliving all my children, the story of a soap. I've never been able to use those effects in a presentation, but <laughs> I thought that'd be really fun. Um, anyway, so this is like the, the, the starting point. And it, it, we broke it down really into something more like this. It was like a little bit of matrix and it's hard to see, but um, each theme had a concept, which is, um, you know, it just elaborated on what that theme meant. For example, the legacy of Agnes Nixon emphasized an opportunity to find um, and view videos in context of past and present storylines of the actual show itself. And then the premise was, this was about insight into storylines. I think that was key, it's like this is what the story is about reliving AMC, the stories about an immersive time machine. Um, you know, these are the concepts. And basically what we did is we brought these to the client and what we did, an amazing thing happened. They could suddenly articulate what they wanted because we gave them a starting point. And it made sense because Agnes Nixon herself was a storyteller, so we were speaking her own language. Um, but we, what we did in the end is we talked through it we looked at their business goals and what we learned from their users. She knew an awful lot about them by direct experience for many, many years. We kind of combined two and created a theme that we felt could be a starting point for the design. So this was an atypical project for us, but I am so happy that it happened because it got us started on this path of an experience theme. So how can experience be things be applied to design? Um, we got started a little late, and I hope I can get through this really quickly, so I won't be offended if you have to leave, but uh, I've got two more sections. I'd like to talk about how themes can be applied to design, and then after that, talk about how you can generate a theme. Um, and we should be able to do that in probably 10 minutes. Um, this is the case number two. Um, we did a, a redesign for Showtime Sports, um, and for this project, Themes influenced everything from functional requirements to the site structure, user flows, content layout, and details of rich interactions. Um, just to give you a brief story, this site was awful. And um, <laughs> before we started, in, but Showtime was known to fan, you know to MNME fans as some of the top build events, but it was never a place you'd go to for you know their website. Um, and there's a lot of stuff out there already. So we, we had a big challenge and we needed to capture the attention of these fans. First of all, can I just step aside and say, to go from soap fans to MMA fans? I love my job. <laughs> no, but it was like amazing, like these wildly different domains. And then we actually went to children after that. But um, <clears throat> to do this, we needed to design a means of following a fight. Um, that would not only be emotionally compelling, but of great value to a fan. So we did all of our research, talked to a great, great number of fans, and then learned some things about them. 
you know, these are just some of the insights. Gathered a feeling of excitement around the pure spectacles of a fight, pleasure in knowing and possessing deep knowledge, pleasure in feeling connected to a fight's hardships and challenges inside and outside of the, re these, the ring. And so basically, with these core insights um, about the target users, an understanding of the available content, and of the business goals from our client, we found our theme. And it was where the fight never ends. Um, and we elaborated on it similarly. We did a different, had a slightly different process. Um, but to us, this theme encapsulated and distilled the idea that the site could provide an online experience that seamlessly extended the kinds of real world desires and engagement found among fans of the sport. So not only could the fight live on in the context of the site, but fans would be able to engage, follow, and learn about the full fight story from the, from the site. So, these are three examples of how it was used. Um, functional and content requirements. Um, we started analyzing our tasks and features against, you know, we usually do this little frequency, importance, matrix thingy. And, um, but we also added to that theme. So there were a couple of things on there that were kind of in the middle, were lower in priority, but they were completely out of scope for, for theme. And we just dropped them off the list. Just another way of coordinating. We just like, this doesn't even, this is not part of the site we're, that we're building. Because I also notice what happens a lot, we have a lot of these feature ideas, but they're not all working together. And uh, we took a second look at the available content. And this is unusual too, because they um, are major content providers and they had high quality video available on the site, but they actually wanted us to give them ideas for other things they could do. And that was a great opportunity. And we recommended that they create these low cost, low res, you know, video stories of the fighters. We had this whole list of things, but we analyzed what they did have, looked at our theme, looked at, found the gaps, and said, why don't you think about doing this as a way of filling or fulfilling the theme? So that was great. And then um, we, used the theme to influence a structure and user paths. And uh, if Dan Brown's here, you might appreciate this. <laughs> no. Um, I have to probably cut this off, unfortunately, because it goes on. But the idea of where a fight lives on made us think about every user path. There had to be maximum sort of engagement with a user from going from um, the boxing. There was boxing and MMA. And this is just, we actually showed this to the client because we knew it would blow their minds to show them a concept map fully formed. So we were doing this to try and show them this is all the content on the site. And it was demonstrating all the pathways that the user might have. And it really influenced the way we were thinking about this particular structure. Um, I'll skip that now. Content presentation and flash interactions. So when it came time to create sketches and wireframes, we heavily leveraged the theme when um, ideating concepts for the fight or fight pages that would be the main focus of conversation on the site. And one of them, I mean, the main thing was the event page. And on this event page, it needed to, um, you know, convey, you know, it needed to show videos, show when the event was happening, et cetera. And what we ended up doing is um, going along with this concept of the fight story. Rather than having a video section below or somewhere within that page, we did something where um, the uh, video was embedded in the flash banner. And it's a linear progression of all the videos that come on from the site. There were three, there were three phases. There's pre-fight, um, during fight, post-fight, and I guess all of the time. So it's four phases. Um, and it's just really simple without going into details. But I believe we couldn't have come up with that concept without the theme in mind. 
So how do we find a theme? Um, and this is the last bit. So more than once I've referred to the process of um, creating a theme without really talking about it, making it seem like it's incredibly easy and it just flies off the page. Um, it, it actually takes a little bit of work and it's probably one of the hardest things, I think. But um, again, we're still evolving this, this concept and, and um, so I say that as a disclaimer. But I thought I would just give you a sense of what we did for our latest project and also I think it's a project that might answer some of the silent questions in the room. What if I'm doing e-commerce? What if I'm doing a corporate internet? Is it, do I need a theme? You know, I would think that too. I'd just qualify this whole idea for a while saying, well, not every site needs a theme. Um, but then we got um, this, this job. And, um, and I think it'll help you see both sides of that. Um, but first, so to create a theme, you really have to um, be using your analytical school skills, analysis, and creativity at the same time. Um, and that's what's so hard about it. We do that for a lot of the work we do, but usually they're in separate slots. But I find this in writing. You're putting these two together. And you start with insights. You start with insights and, most important, empathy. And with that insights and empathy, you process that as a team, and you come out with a theme. So how do we do that? Um, the third case is for the MSG Insider program. And this is a site that I'm currently working on. And basically, it's an alerts program, not unlike Ticketmaster or Live Nation. And um, you sign up for alerts, you choose your opt-ins, and most people just go. That's it. What else are you going to do? So I'm thinking, we need an experience theme for something like this? And as an exercise, we said, let's try it. Let's do it. And I'm so glad we did, because after doing it with this particular project, I realized that I can't imagine not having done one, because it completely transformed the way we thought about this simple alerts program might work and what we can do for it. So to my mind, this is the clearest example to date of how an experience theme can approach, I mean, can, can transform our, our approach to design. And so for this project, it gave us a whole new way of thinking about what an alerts program might become. So our process for finding a theme was relatively simple. We didn't have the time or the budget to go through the process of modeling users for this um, or creating scenarios or, or mental models or any of that. It was, it was pretty quick. But we did have time to talk to users, at least, and examine research done by the marketing group. Um, and so we were able to extract a certain amount from that. Um, so with our documents of business goals and requirements um, and limited but useful amount of qualitative research, in front of us, we sat down and started to gather what we called a list of experience attributes. Um, and there was one goal for this session, is that everything must be from the point of view of the users. And based on conversations we had you know, um, read in reports, we said, let's do our best to imagine what the users that we've spoken to actually interacting with the program or the application might feel like. Can we do that? Can we channel them? Can we really, really empathize? And um, this is a lot harder than you think, of course. So um, <clears throat> it seems rather scientific, but what we did is we, we focused on the core aspects of that experience, um, the rather intangible side, before we examined the specific goals and tasks. In fact, that's one of the re requirements. We said this is not about goals, tasks, and process scenarios just yet, but it's about the kinds of feelings that might arise out of a user's experience as well as the attributes that contribute to those feelings. 
So we threw together this list of attributes. And then we analyzed it. And we looked, noticed that not all of these were attributes of the experience, but they're attributes of the system. For example, direct, personal, conversational. And you know, we didn't hold back when we were brainstorming, but it was helpful to analyze and see, again, we're talking about the tangible and the intangible. And so we broke these down into two separate lists and decided we're gonna get, put these aside. These are useful to know, but we're gonna put them aside and then focus on the experience attributes. Now looking at this, we thought, well, this is still not getting anywhere either. This is saying something, but we need to f refine it a bit to make it more sense, have, make more sense. So we got rid of the tangible attributes, and then we broke these down and tried to rewrite them and reframe them a bit until we came up with experience attributes that really were from the point of view of a user. Feeling of getting something tailored to my personal taste. Fun that comes from recording one's taste. Feeling good about getting a good deal. So it just rephrased them to make that all the more clear. And then we started to think about this and based on what the business goals were, based on what the brand was and based on what the client wanted, what do these things really means, not only the most for the users, but what also works with that part of the, the, the question. So we ended up dividing these into what we call primary cognitive emotional experiences and secondary ones. And this kind of helped us divide it. And then only from here did we begin to brainstorm on theme. So we tried to sift through all the information that we're talking about, analyze it a little bit, look at it, break it down into what we can imagine to be the ex kind of experiences we wanted to deliver, and then thought about theme. And we came up with things like, these are like horrific. Um, get in touch, you know, your taste is our taste. <laughs> Sounds like we're copywriters or something, bad copywriters. Um, but in any case, what we did is we took these and then we talked about them. There was a lot more of them. These are just examples. And decided that what, what most encapsulated this experience was one that was keep in, keep in touch, discover something new, and get it first. And um, so how do we present this to the client? We packaged it very simply in a one-page experience brief. And this is just a, a screen grab of, of the whole thing. We started with the, the uh, phrase, we told them that, why are we doing this? Because we've been working with them for two years, but never before have we brought in an experience brief. So they're probably thinking, what is this about? Just build the thing already, right? So um, last two minutes. So we put it into a brief. We talked about the benefits. We broke it down. And, um, and then we, from that, we developed a strategy because we felt that this, the, the experience theme is a little like, you know, fuzzier, but it's, it's like the, the global kind of like perspective and focus. But from that, you can get a concrete strategy, which was, okay, based on this theme, we recommend the following experience strategy. Create an application that clearly shows patrons what they can get. Things that you can actually measure against. A theme you really can't measure against. But it's still worthwhile. So that's what we did. And our lessons learned quickly, theme can be generated from any amount of type of material related to your project. The means by which you sift through the information can be up to how you work in your context. The form of the theme depends on what chimes with, you know, what you want to share with stakeholders. What do you think captures that? Um, it could be a word or a phrase. Um, and a theme can be a foundation for strategy, I think. Exploratory. And then finally, we have a lot more work to do when it comes to understanding the full impact on users' experience and emotion. There's not enough time to go into that. So my final thoughts, this is a definition of what I would call an experience theme. This is the last slide. 
So an experience theme is an overarching statement or phrase that encapsulates the value and focus of an experience that we intend to deliver to users. At core, it identifies what the product, service, or system is about from the point of view of users. And once agreed upon, the theme can be used as a conceptual frame for design solutions, but can also so serve as a foundation for product concepts and experience strategy. And it serves the end-to-end -end user experience by unifying teams, framing the design, development processes, and by providing an added dimension to the user's cognitive and emotional experience of the product. So finally, this is just an idea I'm throwing out here. It may sound absolutely nuts, I have no idea. <laughs> but I do think we need to begin thinking about these things a little bit more, and if, if the least I've done is to provoke a conversation, well, that's great, because um, I think there's a bigger one to be had. And as designers, I also think we need to access the cognitive as well as the creative yin and yang of our own practice. So I leave you with that. I thank you so much for coming and staying late, and I'm sorry I did that, but uh, um, please, if you want to contact me afterward, there's my email. I'm also on Twitter, and uh, I look forward to having fun and meeting a lot more of you at the end of the conference. Thanks. <laughs>To hear even more presentations from the 2009 IA Summit, point your browser to boxesnarrows.com and click on the podcast link. There you'll find access to the iTunes feed and more information about each presentation. Our heartfelt thanks to the organizers and sponsors of the 10th Annual IA Summit, the presenters, and of course to the global community. We look forward to feedback about future episodes that will be of greatest value to you, our listeners.